Welcome to Lake Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is I, your host, Allison Kilkenny. Um, coming to you from a, a tumultuous time. I'm sure we're all feeling away about things. Um, you know, bad enough that RBG dies. And then, uh-oh, earthquake in California. Why not? You're already on fire. You might as well be shaking, right? Fuck you guys. That's a direct quote from God. Okay, so don't get mad at me. I have nothing against California or any state, really. But uh, God hates us. So we just have to accept that. All right? Hello, everyone. I hope you're having an okay weekend, as best as you can be doing Given the uh, obviously very sad news about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we'll get to that in the bad news section, obvi. Um, Am I stressed? That's the question I'm sure you're all asking. How is Allison doing? I'm sure you awoke this morning with that thought on your minds. How is Allison? Um, Just some insight into my mental well-being. This morning I was like, I'm going to go for a quick jaunt quick uh, lap around the neighborhood, and uh, went on a 10-mile hike. Not an exaggeration, I walked for 10 miles. Because I couldn't stop walking because I was so stressed. That's where I'm at. Because, you know, um, shit is cray right now. So my brain was sort of like, you're awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're going to stay awake then you're going to go walk for 10 miles. How's that for you, champ? And I was like, I guess. So I'm back from my my quick jaunt, my quick 10-mile walk around the neighborhood. Found a dope cemetery that I walked through because I was in the mood where I was like, I want to be around the dead. That's where I'm at. Um, So I I hung out with the dead for a while, and I feel actually much better. I I highly, highly recommend going in a respectful way with pure intentions in your heart to go hang out with the dead because they're fucking bored. Can you imagine? You're a ghost, but you're not like a fun ghost where you can like go haunt like mansions or like schools and scare children. You're stuck in a cemetery. You're so bored. It might be nice to see like a visitor, you know? So I very respectfully went through a walk through a very pretty cemetery. And I was like, hello, hello to all the headstones. Uh, It's like, ladies, gentlemen, I hope you're all doing well. You should be so grateful you're not alive right now. Let me tell you. And it felt appropriate to do this because it is the season of the spooky, my favorite time of year, fall. We're approaching Halloween, the best holiday in the world. And as such, later in the pop culture section, I'm going to offer some spooky podcast recommendations because tis the season. And I, I listen to spooky podcasts all year round, but especially this time of the year when the seasons are changing. Well, I should say here in New York City, um, California doesn't have seasons anymore. They're just on fire all the time. But here in New York City, the seasons are starting to change And it got very nippy today. And the leaves are changing colors. So I was in the mood. I was walking through a cemetery. And I was like, I'm going to offer some spooky podcast recommendations on light treason when I get home. Also, uh, please feel free to send me spooky 
podcast recommendations. I feel like at this point I have probably heard most of them or have had them recommended to me and maybe I've tried to listen to them and I was like, eh, not for me, which again, not a criticism. This is all very subjective. Uh, I'm sure there are great podcasts that, you know, just um, I don't happen to like. But uh, yeah, I'll get to that later. But please do send me any recommendations you have because I like to be spooked and it's, it's that time of year. So I'm receptive to it. Sometimes you guys send me recommendations and I'm like, get out of here. But I'm asking for them right now. So before we go any further in the episode, I want to thank Amanda, my newest supporter over at my Patreon, patreon.com slash, say it with me guys, Allison Kilkenny. It's just my name. It's just my name. It's very easy to find. Uh, $5 a month. Amanda, thank you. Thank you. And as always, if you are a supporter uh, or a fan of my work, be it here or my, my comedy stuff or whatever, just me as an entity, as a person, as a future ghost, God, I hope I can get out of the graveyard. Do you know what I mean? I'm okay. I'm open to the idea of being a ghost, but I want to be mobile. You know, I want to be able to go to different dimensions and different universes. I don't want to be stuck on earth, let alone the same damn graveyard. Come on. If I'm stuck in a graveyard, I'm going to be a mean ghost. I'm going to be the ghost who like fucks with people and makes them cry because I want to be pissed off. Are you kidding? What was I talking about? Amanda, thank you so much. Oh, I know what I was saying. If you are also, like Amanda, a fan of what I do, I'm assuming, unless Amanda's just like a rich, is Amanda a mean ghost who's sending me $5 a month because she's like, I bet this dumb bitch is going to think I'm a fan of her work. I hate her, but I'm going to like slip her $5 a month because I can just drop $5 a month. That's my idea of rich, by the way. If you can just drop $5 a month on shit you don't even like, you're wealthy. But if you're not a mean ghost and you are a genuine fan, as I believe Amanda is, Amanda, I believe you are pure of heart. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. Uh, and as always, please, 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 if it causes you any kind of financial hardship, don't do it. But if you're a, a big high roller like Amanda patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Or if you're like, Allison, I don't need extra content. I am busy. I'm a busy ghost. You can just go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button and, and don't even worry about more content because you're already overwhelmed. So I also, another supporter of mine, Chelsea, wrote to me on Patreon because I did just post over there for my supporters. You can send questions, comments, recommendations, concerns, respectfully worded concerns. Uh, you can leave a comment on the post over there. That's the best way to do it. You can message me, but why? Why? Uh, just leave a comment. It's the easiest way to keep everything organized. Chelsea writes... I don't have any questions. That's okay, Chelsea. But I do have a movie recommendation that you can watch on Hulu. Chelsea, I love it. It's a space 
oh yes i'm reading this correctly it's a space movie called prospect and it stars pedro pascal we love who i'm currently obsessed with chelsea same and i believe chelsea sent this recommendation because i was talking about how mandalorian was not for me okay no disrespect to the franchise or the fans but you know star wars mm, not quite my thing love baby yoda but I figured I would give Mandalorian a whirl and I just was very bored watching it. But I said I was a little offended because they covered Pedro Pascal's face, which what a waste, right? Uh, he's great and he has a lovely voice. So I liked listening to him, but he's a handsome man. I'm like, show me the face. Pedro Pascal, who I'm currently obsessed with. Well, without spoiling it too much, it's about his character teaming up with a young girl and trying to find precious gems so they can both make enough money to get off the planet they're stuck on. It's definitely got some really violent moments and some body horror, so be aware if you don't want to see that. But Pedro's very good in it and super hot to no one's surprise. Chelsea, that's the truth. It's very beautifully shot and the music is great as well. It's less than two hours long, so it's not a huge time commitment either. Uh, Chelsea, thank you so much for the recommendation. And by the way, you hit every check mark about like what questions I would have before going into a movie. Is a hot actor in it? Yes, Pedro Pascal. Is he hot in it? Yes, he is. Give me the runtime, less than two hours. Is there super violent stuff in it? Now, for me personally, I have a very high threshold of violence I can put up with in a movie or a TV series. I'm not easily squicked out by that stuff but I so appreciate you adding that for our listeners because I know some people that's like a big trigger for them so now we know violent moments some body horror if that's not your thing don't watch this Chelsea thank you so much guys I love getting recommendations from you always but especially now because I'm watching so much content because I'm not going out unless I go on like a 10 mile hike in the morning because I'm so stressed and my body doesn't know how to relax. Uh, I'm, I'm never going out. So I'm watching a lot of stuff. So I need more recommendations. As you'll see, when I get to my recommendations, you're going to be like, wow, you watch so much. And I'll be like, bitch, you don't even know the half of it. I don't even tell you guys everything I watch. This is just stuff I want to recommend. Anyway, Mark writes, Mark is another supporter. And again, you too can leave questions, comments, concerns at patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Mark, do you have any food recommendations? Wow, just a broad general question. Either something you made or something you ordered or whatever. So I'm assuming Mark is asking this because I'm vegan and perhaps Mark is also vegan and wants specifically vegan recommendations. Mark, if I have misread that, in any way, I apologize, but I think that's why you were just asking randomly, do you have food recommendations? So I'll say this. I am very privileged because I live in New York City. So basically anytime I have a hankering for anything, I can find a vegan equivalent for it. So like, I'll be honest with you, I went through a phase at the beginning of quarantine where I was cooking and baking a lot. And then I got like tired of it. And truly in like the past three months, I have not cooked at all. That's not to say I'm ordering seamless. In fact, I also haven't ordered like seamless in three months. I am just buying food that I can very quickly throw together and eat 
and I wouldn't describe it as cooking by any stretch of the imagination. So like truly cereal, sandwiches, fruit, like stuff I can just grab, eat at my desk as I'm working. However, uh, because I live in New York City, prior to that, if I, like, let's say, for example, uh, I was like, I really want a quesadilla. I would just go on Seamless and Google, or uh, search on Seamless, vegan quesadilla, and find a vegan quesadilla, and I could get it delivered. Now, when I was cooking and stuff, my go-tos tended to be, like, quick stir fries. Like, just a quick, I have a rice cooker, and I can't recommend highly enough invest in a rice cooker. They are magic. Um, You just throw on the rice. You stir fry the veggies. What do you want? What do you want? You want some broccoli? You want some mushrooms? Some bell peps? Just throw them all in there. Little salt, little pepper. And then throw that on top of your rice. Little soy sauce. Boom. Mark, that's dinner. Or like a quick pasta recipe. I have been searching high and low. I have to find one of my old recipes for a pumpkin pasta with toasted uh, walnuts crushed on top. My God, a perfect winter meal. Uh, I have also been craving soup lately because, again, the the seasons are changing. I'm really hankering for pumpkin because I am a white female, and that is... um, how my tribe functions when it when it is fall. We must consume pumpkin. So I'll probably be um, pursuing that craving soon. But yeah, Mark, I hope that that helps a little bit. Oh, also, just when I order, I, I love Chinese food. I love, love wonton soup. I truly have been craving so badly. I'm almost in tears over it. Uh, dim sum, particularly there is a vegetarian dim sum house in Chinatown that I was so scared would go under during the pandemic that I'm not even lying to you on a weekly basis. I Google if they're still open and at least so far they seem to be doing okay. But I so wish I lived closer and I could get delivery because I would support them in a heartbeat. I'm too afraid to go in and, you know, actually eat there. But dim sum I've been craving so badly. Um, And unfortunately, I searched on Seamless in my neighborhood the other day. Not, no dim sum, vegetarian dim sum options in my hood. Which is okay. Because, again, we're fortunate. We have other options. But... To answer your question, um, if I could order dim sum, truly, that's all I would eat. I think that is my favorite food, dim sum. But wonton soup, very dim sum-like. You know, you got the little little nuggets that you can eat up, and you got delicious warm soup around that. Ooh, it's a perfect meal. I would just order dim sum soup as a meal. Mark, great question. Very, very different question, which I appreciate. So recommendations, you guys. We are in the recommendations section. Uh, As always, you can tweet me your recommendations. uh, Hashtag LightTreasonPod. You can email the show, LightTreasonNews at Gmail. Or like these fine people, you can leave a comment at my Patreon. So I need to know, this is a very important question, okay? I'm going to recommend something, but I also need to know if literally anyone else has seen it. Because the only reason I heard about this show was because I subscribe 
to roughly 20 film and TV and pop culture podcasts that I listen to throughout the day while I'm working. Um, and one host on one of these shows recommended this, uh, this show that I'm going to be recommending so vehemently that I finally was like, okay, dude, I'll fucking watch it. What is this show? My God. And he's a hundred percent right. Uh, it's called zero 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 on Amazon. And it is a show about, uh, international drug cartels, but also the the different inner workings of them from supplier to uh, the cartels themselves to like international um, cargo shippers, like the people who own the huge ships that they transport the drugs on. And it's fascinating and the characters are so well developed and the actors are amazing. Um it's moody as fuck to give you a taste of how moody it is. Mogwai does the music. <laughs> if you're wondering how moody is it, Allison, Mogwai's involved. Very, very moody. The action is insane. There's maybe one of the scariest villains, question mark, of all time named Vampiro. He's very scary. Uh, I'll say triggers for violence for intense action. It's one of these shows where you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time. So not a show you want to watch if you're trying to relax <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm mostly curious, has anyone else seen this show? Because I tweeted about it the other day. Nobody responded. No one was like, oh my God, it's so good. Or like no one even replied as though they didn't even know it was a show. So here's my question. Because I feel like this is one of these shows that is utterly undeniable. If you watch it, it is one of the best shows I've seen recently, in recent memory. So I'm like, is it just that people don't know about it? What's going on, you guys? Have you seen it? Do you like it? I highly recommend it. Um, so yeah, let me know. I'm just curious. I, I, I feel a little crazy because I'm like, this feels like... It should have like a Breaking Bad type following, and I just don't think it does. Maybe I'm totally misreading that, and just people who follow me don't know about it, but I recommend. I recommend. So, guys, I watched also The Devil All the Time, Delusions, and I didn't know how to feel about it at first. I was a little confused by the tone of it, where I was like, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be like very dark and very funny? And I think it is, but I don't feel like it leans heavily enough into the dark funniness of it. So the tone was a little strange to me, but having said that the performances are bananas good. Um, I'm so glad that we're finally just celebrating Bill Skarsgård's uh, hotness and we're not doing that thing anymore where we're like, but his face is a little weird. Yeah, okay, it is. He's also hot. Like, yeah, I know he has slightly bulging eyes. That's why he played Pennywise, okay? I know. I know why you hit him at a weird angle. He looks scary. But then you hit him at a different angle and you're like, is Bill hot? And he, here's breaking news on Light Treason. Yes, Bill Skarsgård is hot. Could get it anytime, any place, even if he's being weird and praying in the woods. And he's great in this movie. 
Tom Holland, obviously, he can do no wrong. Every single moment, he's totally sincere. He never seems like he's acting, and he just has a warmth to him that is really, really valuable in this movie. Um, Listen, I need to address people who are all over Robert Pattinson's junk because they think his voice is weird in this movie. Delusions. Okay, yeah. He he's chewing the scenery, okay? I like the voice. I didn't it didn't hit my ear weird. I I well let me rephrase. It did hit my ear weird, but in a way that I appreciated the choices he was making. He's having the best time. And he's just a pleasure to watch. So everybody needs to shut the fuck up about Pattinson's accent being weird. I think he fits perfectly into this world. Everybody is playing up the accent because there's nothing British actors love more than to do a thick Southern accent. So like, is Pattinson chewing the scenery? Yeah, but I think Tom Holland is too. Tom Holland just has a way of like chewing the scenery and not seeming like he's chewing the scenery. Robert Pattinson, he's putting on a show and I'm here for it. Okay. And I haven't seen Tenet yet, but I, I hear he's very hot in it. So I'm happy for him because I feel like he's doing both. He's like leaning into the fact that he's very hot because he is. And then he's also doing fun, independent projects like this where he's like, hey, by the way, I'm a great actor. And I'm like, good for you, Robert. Good for you. So an update on where I'm at with designing women, because uh, as loyal followers of mine know, I watched all of Golden Girls again because I was raised on Golden Girls, but I had not revisited in a while. And what a joy, what a journey, what a gift. And now designing women, I started designing women and I'm going to be honest with everybody. I was not raised on designing women. So I had a little bit of a hard time entering the world. To me, it just seemed like a subpar version of Golden Girls. I didn't really understand it. To me, it took a while for them to find their footing. But then let me tell you, don't get offended. Don't write me nasty things on the internet because you're like, I attend the Church of Delta and I'm offended right now. Once they hit season three, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they just figured out the the characters, but also I feel like the acting got way better. I don't know what happened. I don't know like how the chemistry sort of solidified, but season three and on, it's so good. I'm having the best time. It's so funny. It's still slightly too preachy for my taste. I know that was just a symptom of the time and Golden Girls had those moments too. But for whatever reason in Golden Girls, it never felt quite as insufferable as when like uh, Juliana goes on a like 15 minute diatribe about feminism and it's not funny at all. And then the audience just claps for five minutes. It's like, okay, I know this was revolutionary at the time, but it is slightly like after school special for 2020. Um, But having said that, it just feels way more organic in season three. And I don't know. Maybe I just like the characters now. Maybe it's me. Maybe I changed. Maybe the show stayed the same. And then finally, you guys, because I have rambled. But this is what happens when I don't have a co-host. It's just my own voice. And I feel insane. Um, This is a huge, a highly, highly recommended show. Literally everyone was recommending it to me. Of, of all walks of life, of all stripes. And I was like, okay, this has now been recommended to me so much 
that I know I'm going to like it. Just fucking watch it, Allison. The Harley Quinn animated series on HBO Max. So smart. So incredibly funny. Like really, really rapid fire funny. I I know I'm immediately going to have to watch it again because I'm missing so many jokes because I'm laughing so much. Uh, And then I had heard it was funny. I had heard the story. The storyline was really cool and interesting. But I didn't know. I would cry several times because the central, the the heart of the series is the friendship between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. I will say some people have a queer reading of it. I respect that. I honor it. I I don't know. I I feel like there is definitely a a storyline where Harley realizes that Joker's more in love with Batman than her. But everything's just sort of surface level. And she loves Poison Ivy, but it's not at least I'm halfway through season 2. It seems platonic, like they're friends. Maybe she has a little bit of a girl crush on her, but I don't get a romantic love feeling from it. I know in the comic books, under certain authors, they are explicitly queer and gay uh, and lovers. Sorry. I was like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Um, But at least in the cartoon animated series so far, it's not queer baiting. But I understand why people have that reading of it, but it's not explicit. Does that make sense? I hope I rephrase that in a respectful way. But um, I really value their friendship, and I find it to be very moving and a good foundation for the show because I really care about them as characters, and I care about their friendship. So anyway... You guys, highly recommended. God, it's so fucking funny. And truly every funny person on the face of the earth is does a voice in the series. So sooner or later, we're going to be like, I know that voice. Who is that? And then you'll go on IMDb and be like, oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. A very funny person. So, guys, those are my recommendations. If you have feelings about any of them, if you concur, uh, if you, I mean, don't write me if you disagree. Don't be a dick. Uh, if you have any recommendations, hashtag like trees and pod. On that note, I know you guys know this. We have a bunch of bad news to get to. It's going to be okay. We'll get through it together. We always do, right? We're on like episode, what episode? Like over 200 episodes, right? We've always had a bad news section. We always get through it together. Here's your bad news. All right. Obviously, the big bad news story, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away at the age of 87 after um, her battle with cancer. And she, of course, is so beloved um, by many, many liberals for her long storied career, second woman ever to serve on the Supreme Court, which is wild to think about. Um she, of course, had a long legal career of fighting to enhance the rights of women, uh, protecting affirmative action and minority voting rights, and defending, of course, 
a person's right to choose an abortion. So she was a really valuable, reliable, liberal vote on the Supreme Court at a time, especially now in the year 2020, when the court is sliding further to the right and that vote will be badly, badly missed. Um, It is a really dangerous time in the country if you are a person who might need an abortion, if you are a person, a recipient of of DACA, if you are an immigrant, if you are any kind of vulnerable minority, it's really scary to see what's happening to the Supreme Court right now. So, of course, RBG will be really missed for that reason because she, she protected a lot of people with her vote. So as soon as I heard she... <laughs> died. I was getting out of the shower and my friend texted me and she said, RBG is dead. I immediately like contacted every lawyer I know. And I have a, um, a friend who I won't say what their position is, but they're a lawyer. And my first question was, do they have time? Meaning they, does Trump have time to fill this seat? And he just responded, I don't know. So Trump has said, he's made it very clear, he wants to replace RBG, quote unquote, without delay. So if it's up to them, they're going to try to move as quickly as possible on this, even though obviously, and everybody brings this up, you'll be shocked to hear this, I'm sure, It would make the conservatives huge hypocrites because they, of course, dashed liberals' hopes of doing this uh, exact same thing when Justice Scalia died because uh, then President Barack Obama obviously wanted to fill that seat very, very quickly. And Mitch McConnell at the time uh, insisted that they should wait because there was an election. And it would be undemocratic to move that quickly. And we should let the voters decide which party they want to be in power. And therefore, that party can then pick who the Supreme Court justice, who fills the seat, will be. So you, I know you guys are just falling over because you're so gobsmacked right now. But it turns out the Republicans are a bunch of fucking hypocrites. So now that the tables are turned, they don't have the same standards. And I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and <laughs> do you guys have these friends that there's, this is going to sound so condescending, and I guess it is, but they're the types of friends who just aren't politically engaged on the same level as you, but in a way it's valuable because it's like getting the, you're taking the temperature of a normie, where it's like, what do you think about this? And then they will just say something that you're like, my God. So last night he goes, yeah, but they wouldn't, the Republicans wouldn't say that they're going to wait for the election and then not follow through with that promise. That would make them liars. And I had to be like, my God, my God. Uh, yeah, they're lying. They, they always lie. They don't hold themselves to the same standards that they do the Democrats. So... Yeah, I knew they were going to move on it really aggressively. I knew Mitch McConnell especially was going to be very aggressive. And of course he was, even though, and this is so sad, and other people have pointed this out, 
one of the last things Ruth Bader Ginsburg said was she was like, like basically please don't let them fill my seat before the election. And Mitch McConnell doesn't even have the class to honor the wishes of a dead woman immediately puts out a statement where he's like, we will be filling the scene <laughs> as quickly as possible. And it just made me sad. Cause like, you know, RBG probably had a very fearful moment when she realized she was going to die where she's like, Oh my God, the court's already going so far to the right. I am one of the most consistent liberal votes they're going to try to put a conservative in my seat. And what is that going to do to the human rights of millions of people in this country? People will die because of this. And the fact that her last moments were like fearful like that, and she had to be like, please don't let them do this, makes me so incredibly sad. Because again, this was a woman who, and listen, I didn't agree with all of her votes. There were times that Ginsburg voted against things I believe in. Um, but she was consistent in other ways that I really, really valued. And it makes me so sad that someone who consistently fought for reproductive rights, for access to abortion, who arguably saved countless lives because she was so committed to those fights. It makes me sad that she, she worked so hard, she served so loyally for so many years, and still, like, until her final moments, was fighting and was like, don't let them do this, goddammit. I just, I'm sad that she had to spend any energy doing that and that things were so bad at the end that she had to do that. Um, but I also, like, am in awe of her, that she was doing that until the end. Like, what an incredible person. So, and I know people have been saying this ad nauseum and like, uh, it's just so cringe whenever anybody like her dies because we have to go through like the painful cycle of like people putting out political cartoons of like Chadwick Boseman greeting her at the gates, the pearly white gates. And it's like, oh my, why are we just mashing together these two totally unrelated cultural figures. Uh, it's very cringe. It's boomer humor, I guess, uh, or, or boomer sentimentality. But we have to kind of go through these like weird, I don't know, like cultural milestones where like everybody puts out their drawing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> like with a halo around her head. I don't know. Um, that's just me being a bitch and, and griping for no reason, but I, I just had to like stay offline for a little bit to process my own thoughts in my own way. And I think the thing we have to remember is that we are just at the beginning of a very, very, very long fight. We're in a nosedive. And I don't know if we can pull out of it because most countries can't reverse this kind of trajectory. Once you enter the tailspin of fascism, it's really hard to pull out, but it's not impossible. And the least we can do for somebody like RBG is fight. So obviously it goes without saying that means vote. 
Um, but also, you know, giving money, running for office, whatever that means to you, but to fight. But also, it's okay if you feel really sad right now and you want to get off the internet and go for a 10-mile walk. <laughs> uh, I also support that. So, like, take care of yourselves. Watch a dumb movie. Um, we need you fresh and ready to go, you know? So, uh, no shame. However anybody's dealing with it. If you... I have really, really loyal listeners who dip out for a couple years sometimes and then they come back and they sign up as a member and they go, hey, I had to dip out for a couple years because I was not good. I was not doing well. And I'm like, right on. If I could do that, I would, but it's my job, so I can't. But uh, yeah, it's all good. So also, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me. Also in uh, bad news, everybody, I wanted to talk about this story about uh, the uterus collector, as he was known by ICE detainees. Um, so a whistleblower came forward, uh, a nurse named Dawn Wooten. She's a former nurse. She used to work at the Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia. And she came forward and she was like, hey, I feel like you guys should know that there's a doctor at an immigration detention center who is doing unnecessary um, medical procedures. The doctor's name is Dr. Mahendra Amin. And he is not only is he not informing uh, detainees of what he's about to do to them, he is oftentimes doing unnecessary medical procedures like removing their ovaries, removing their uteruses. And as I said, oftentimes these poor uh, detainees aren't even fully like informed about what's ha going to happen to them. So, and this was such an ongoing problem that again, the detainees called him the uterus collector. Like he was known for doing this. So this story breaks and obviously all hell breaks loose on the internet because it's a horrific story, huge human rights violation, sadly not uncommon in our immigration system, but also in our larger prison industrial complex. Uh, detainees of color, women of color are oftentimes subjected to this kind of cruel medical treatment. And then, of course, the United States has this long storied, ugly history of doing medical experiments on people of color in our prisons. And like, you know, this is not sadly that unusual in terms of how we as a country treat people of color when they're detainees and people of color in general, like talk to a person of color who has tried to go see a doctor and like give them their, their medical symptoms, you know, even like professional doctors and in, in very respected hospitals are very oftentimes dismissive of people of color, believing that they ha have higher thresholds of pain, like racist assumptions left and right. Um, however, this is obviously still a huge story, huge scandal. Um, it is interesting because obviously there was an assumption by some people on the left that this was 
some kind of like insane Nazi doctor who was like sterilizing these uh, people because he's a racist. Uh, then it turns out they identified the doctor. He's also an immigrant uh, from India. He's a person of color. And, that, and that's not to say he can't also be racist, but it seems like it's a much more bureaucratic explanation for what he was doing, which doesn't make it any less evil. In fact, it can make it... <laughs> I don't want to say even more evil, but it's sort of like the banality of evil in that if you're a doctor and you perform surgeries, you get compensated with money uh, from the federal government, depending on what procedure you're doing, because the government is like compensating you for uh, and your facility for having done the procedure. So the more surgeries you do, the more funding you get. It's a very fucked incentivized way to do things that is probably bad and we should probably change it but doing a hysterectomy is a very expensive surgery so he had been uh charged with medicaid fraud in the past so this is a um a pattern of behavior we've seen from dr amin before so in all likelihood he was probably doing this because uh more uteruses equal more money isn't this country great? Isn't it amazing? Anyway, uh, completely fucked up story. There was another story that came out from ProPublica about how the U.S. government late Monday deported a crucial witness in an ongoing investigation into allegations of sexual assault and harassment at an El Paso immigration de detention center, according to the witness's lawyer. The 35-year-old woman has been held in the facility, which is overseen by ICE, for about a year and told lawyers about a pattern and practice of abuse there, including that guards systematically assaulted her and other detainees in areas that were not visible to security cameras. According to her, several guards forcibly kissed her and at least one touched her intimate parts, often as she was walking back from the medical unit to her barrack according to her complaint filed with law enforcement agencies. And the U.S. government's response to these allegations was to fucking deport her. She was a crucial witness in a sexual assault case, and they deported her. Jesus Christ. Uh, so do I have time for this story, guys? Yeah, let's do let's do one more and then we'll get to good news. So uh, Attorney General William Barr expressed frustration with some local and state prosecutors handling of riot related crimes, telling top Justice Department prosecutors that he wants them to be aggressive in bringing charges related to protest violence, including everybody exploring using a rarely used sedition law. Wow. Uh, so yeah, this is William Barr, head attorney of the US government, saying, I don't like pr protesters so much, I wanna charge them with sedition, which by the way, is punishable by death. So that's where we're at. We have dumb fuck Joe Rogan on his podcast being like, I hear 
Antifa's starting fires. And then he has to apologize a day later, like, sorry, guys, I guess I should have fact-checked one thing I said on my show. We have the head attorney general, um, or we have the attorney general, saying that protesters should be charged with sedition. We got little fascists crawling everywhere, don't we, in 2020. This is kind of why I'm like, we're in a nosedive, and I don't know if we'll be able to pull out of it, but um, you got to try, right? You can't just um, crash into the ground. I mean, I guess you could, but um, we should probably try to pull out of it. So... Obviously, this is a theme that has gained a lot of traction in conservative media. Bill Barr is not the only person in government to suggest that we should do this. Obviously, Trump has uh, floated this kind of idea as well, that Antifa are traitors, seditionists, um, yeah, the criminals that should be executed. This is a, a growing sort of call um to the point even now where and i really feel for them uh bureau of land management officials in california and oregon have basically had to be like please stop calling us about antifa because we can't do our fucking jobs because you're wasting our goddamn time. Very similar to what's happening with like QAnon flooding the hotlines of legitimate child, uh, anti-child trafficking organizations where who, who then later have to be like, hey, please stop calling us about fucking Wayfair because we can't do our goddamn jobs because you people are so fucking stupid. You know, they phrase it a little differently. They're a little more diplomatic about it. But basically it's like we can't, function because the level of noise has gotten so deafening and a society can't function when it gets to that level of chaos everybody you can't have order when there's just chaos hey you know what on that note should we go to do should we do one more guys you know what is wild about me asking stuff like that? You can't reply to me. I'll do one more because this one sort of goes along with the Bill Barr nonsense. We got to talk about Chad Wolf, right? Because this shit is so wild. So if you don't know who Chad Wolf is, it's because he was never actually appointed to his position as acting Homeland Sec Security Secretary. What happened was Trump decided, I really like Chad Wolf. He's crazy like me. So I'm going to put him in this position as Homeland Se uh, Security Secretary. Never goes through a, an official confirmation process. So that's why he's consistently referred to as acting Homeland Security Secretary. So eventually the House is like, hey, how is this guy doing anything in the government when he's not been officially appointed? So they tried to subpoena him to come in and testify before the House to get into like his whole non-confirmation thing, but also to like check in on uh, like threats to the U.S. Because again, Homeland Security Secretary, an important position. So they subpoena him and, oh, I'm sorry. This was the timeline. They ask him to come in. He doesn't come in. They subpoena him. He ignores the subpoena. <laughs> so now 
people were like, do they arrest, like, do they send out like a guard to go arrest him? So now it's sort of like, he says he's going to come in. (laughs) I can't believe this shit is real. He says he's going to come in um, and talk about, he's also facing a whistleblower report that claims he ordered officials to cease providing intelligence assessments on the threat of Russian interference and instead focus on China and Iran. He was like, hey, we don't need to talk about Russia anymore, do we? Let's focus on these baddies. Um, So now it's sort of like wait and see where they're like, he says he'll come in, but we don't know if he's going to come in. And this, by the way, also involves his acting deputy secretary, Ken Cusinelli. And, you know, we call him acting deputy secretary because he was never officially confirmed. This is sort of a a trend with the Trump administration. They're like, I'm going to put my bro in as, as secretary, okay? And everyone's like, what? No, we have to vote on that. And Trump's like, all right, my bro's in there now. And then months go by. And eventually the house is like, hey, we should probably like talk to this guy because literally no one voted for him to hold this position. Um, We don't appoint people anymore. We just let Trump um, put whoever he wants in whatever position. And and that's government? Question mark. Guys, that's enough of the bad. Let's get to some dang good news. Here's your good news. I apologize if my voice keeps giving out. Apparently, walking 10 miles um, weakens your voice. I don't understand biologically how that's possible, but I feel like it's true. And as we know, in the year 2020, feelings are facts. So first good news story, guys, non-binary people are now protected from discrimination under the UK Equality Act. Good job, UK. So non-binary and gender fluid people are now protected under the act. Following years of uncertainty, a UK a UK employment tribunal have now confirmed that non-binary and gender fluid people are protected under the gender reassignment category. A spokesperson for Stonewall praised the landmark ruling, telling Forbes, this ruling is a milestone moment in recognizing the rights of non-binary and gender-fluid people to be protected from discrimination under the Equality Act. Up until now, it's not been clear whether non-binary people would be protected by anti-discrimination legislation, which is what makes this employment tribunal judgment so important. Uh, The historic judgment came to fruition after a non-binary engineer working in Jaguar Land Rover's plant claimed they were harassed and discriminated against because of their gender identity. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover tried to combat Ms. Taylor's case by arguing that they didn't fall within the definition of gender reassignment in the the Equality Act because they identified as non-binary. 
So obviously this is a huge, huge ruling. Um, and yeah, congratulations to the UK and all non-binary people and gender fluid people in the UK. Huge. So see guys, even when the world's nose diving into fascism, you have glimmers of hope. You keep fighting. So another, um, <laughs> one of the few glimmers of hopes uh, of hope in the United States during the Trump administration has been that a federal judge will occasionally just kick the Trump administration square in the balls. And it happened again recently. <laughs> it's happened quite a few times, and it makes me laugh every single time, and it's very funny. Um, and also a, a huge relief anytime anyone's even briefly able to restore order a little bit in the United States. It's nice to see. So a federal judge issued a historic decision to temporarily block the U.S. Postal Service and Postmaster General Louis DeJoy from changing a wide swath of the United States Postal Service's policies or protocols ahead of November's presidential election. Kind of a crucial time to be all in there, Lewis, trying to change key USPS policies. Why now, Lewis? Why is it so critical to do right now, sir, who has no experience with the Postal Service, who is a Trump lackey, and that's why he got that job, who you know for sure had a closed-door meeting with Trump and said, don't worry, sir, I'll take care of it. Every single one of those ballots is going to get lost in the mail. Why? Why now? Anyway, so the opinion from Judge Stanley Bastion in Eastern Washington's U.S. District Court enjoined Trump administration postal policies as harmful, yes, to voters' ability to cast ballots this November and deliberately, hello, suppressive to voters. It places the judge at the center of a political furor in which the court steps into the extraordinary position of stopping the entire USPS from making any changes that may affect efficient mail delivery nationwide. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm in New York City, so I'm not even a, in a rural area of the country. And for sure, I've noticed that the mail delivery has been slower. Like shit I would usually get in a couple days now takes a couple weeks. And I keep seeing these stories where they're like, we're checking, we're checking to see if mail has been slowed down. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. At least anecdotally, I can tell you for sure, for me, mail seems to be arriving slower. So I'm already nervous about it. But anyway, this is obviously a great decision. I applaud that this judge is able to smell bullshit when they smell bullshit. <laughs> and they were like... Stanley was sitting up there on his little judge seat and was like, why do you have to do this right before the election, sir? I find the timing suspect. I find it unnecessarily chaotic. It's going to cause confusion, disenfranchisement. It's going to be suppressive to voters. No, absolutely not. Go fuck yourself. Again, he used different words. Um, unfortunately, and I've said this before, unfortunately, I'm not a judge. 
So my grandfather was. Isn't that funny? There was a Judge Kilkenny. Um, but I don't think, I never met him. I don't think he spoke like me. Don't think he would have been a judge if he spoke like me. But anyway, um, also in good news, let's talk about some celebrities that are bringing me joy at the moment, okay? And I promise you there's a larger political reason I'm bringing them all up. But we're going to do rapid fire because she talked too much and we're running out of time. Chris Evans. Okay, we got to applaud Chris Evans because he went through a very embarrassing moment where he, uh uh-oh, accidentally released his dick to the internet and he he accidentally posted his camera roll and there's a dick pic on it. It happens, okay? I'm putting it in the good news section because it is, of course, not as nefarious as other celebrity nude hacks like Jennifer Lawrence who took uh, nude photos of herself because she's a grown woman. She can do that, okay? Um, And then some little perverted hacker stole them and violated her by posting those nudes on the internet. That's evil. This is not evil. This is just funny, okay? And I'm also saying it's funny because Chris Evans' fans, who overwhelmingly tend to be sweet baby angels, who mean very well, were very supportive of him. And Um, You know, Chris Evans famously has very bad anxiety. So people were like, we have to support him because this is probably a very stressful time for him. Um, You know, Mark Ruffalo, his friend, uh, fellow Avenger, posted, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically was like, you have nothing to be embarrassed about as long as Trump is in the White House because he's the real embarrassment. And it's like, okay, Mark, a little bit of a boomer joke, but we like it. He's supporting his friend. And then Chris bounced back in a spectacular way where he showed up on social media and he said, now that I have your attention, and he put a little emoji of a dude covering his face because he's embarrassed, and then another little dude shrugging like, "Uh oh, I put my dick on the internet. Vote November 3rd. Chris Evans, what what a great way to seize the moment. Everybody's talking about you, and you just reminded people to vote. So, um... Good work, sir. And don't be embarrassed. Everybody has bits. And everybody just happened to see your bit. And it's okay. Everybody still likes you. You'll you'll move past it. Everybody loves you. I also am so thrilled, you guys, because I've I've plugged her before on the show because she has really helped me preserve my mental well-being in some very dark times, including right now. I am a follower of Yoga with Adrienne on YouTube. She's a great yoga instructor. I've done her videos for years. And there's always a little bit of fear, at least in my head, when I promote somebody like Adrienne. Because I don't know her personally. I don't know what her politics are. Jezebel has a really long profile on her that came out on Monday. And I was like, oh, no. It's so good, and it makes me like her even more. For example, I did not know that Adrian is Mexican. I didn't know she's part Mexican. Um, she, and this is a stupid assumption on my part, but she presents as very white. Um, but she's she's biracial, uh, so of course she talks about living as a biracial woman in Texas, and she's a huge AOC fan. And I don't know, I just was so happy to hear this. And of course, she got some backlash because she's always been very apolitical. And she posted an Instagram photo of of herself reading 
um, a magazine with AOC on the cover. And people were surprised because they were like, whoa, Adrian, you're not usually political. And AOC is so political. And she was like, yeah, I like AOC. Uh, by the way, I'm Mexican. <laughs> Um, and it's great. It makes me so happy and she seems so rad and it just makes me feel good that I've been doing her videos for so many years and been telling people to do her videos and I'm like, oh, now I like feel like I'm uh, morally justified in doing it. And then finally, the final celebrity I want to give a shout out to is somebody I've already shouted on the show, but Naomi Osaka won her second U.S. Open um, I talked about her wearing the masks of different police killing victims. Uh, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Tamir Rice, Philando Castile, Castle, uh, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Trayvon Martin. But an aspect of the, the story that I didn't cover, and just another reason to love Naomi Osaka so much, something I hadn't considered until I was listening to a different podcast, um, she is, of course, biracial. She's part Japanese. And the Japanese media was not covering Black Lives Matter stories until Naomi Osaka started wearing the masks. And then she forced an entire country's media to cover Black Lives Matter. That's power. That's purpose. That's amazing. Naomi Osaka, you're a badass girl. I love you. Guys, on that note, please follow Light Trees and News everywhere. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email the show, lighttreesandnews at gmail. You can support me, your host, Allison Kilkenny. I've been doing this too damn long, you guys. I've been hosting podcasts for, should we even attempt the math right now? 12 years? That's nutty. Isn't that stupid? What is life? If you like me, if you like what I do, if you've been following me for dang years like so many of you, you can go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Kick me five bucks a month to keep the show going. Uh, what does your money go, go towards? Um, supporting me, supporting any equipment I need, any upgrades, any hosting fees. Uh, I pay my, my co-hosts. I know that uh, I took this month off because I moved and, and money was tight, but anytime there's a co-host on the show you pay for them to be there. So um, thank you. That's that's huge. That means a lot because things are hard for everybody right now. So every little bit helps, even when I'm able to just like pay my co-hosts. That helps them. So thank you to you, uh, especially the people who've been supporting me for years. You're amazing. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say right now, but if that means getting off the internet and going for a walk... Don't go 10 miles. Don't be crazy about it. But like go around the neighborhood. Um, take care of yourselves. And uh, while you're at it, guys, I know I just told you to go for a walk. You can do that in a responsible way. But overall, stay inside and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>